Hey guys, this is Joey with another Krav Maga podcast. Today's episode is about self-defense laws. important that you research and find the laws that govern your country and state. In my experience, in different countries, it's really different. Once I was in a country that basically you didn't have the right to defend yourself, so if someone attacked you, you your lawful right was to run away, not to fight back. Kind of interesting. In another country I went to recently, if the attacker had a nine caliber bullet and they were shooting you, you are not lawfully allowed to defend yourself with a larger caliber gun. So basically you had to ask your attacker what size pistol they have before you decide to shoot back because you want to make sure your bullet's not bigger than their bullet or else you're in trouble. Luckily in the US, we don't have those type of laws. We have a basic right to defend ourselves and others as long as it's lawful. Now, what's important is that we have to figure out what is lawful. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But since every state varies in their laws a little bit, even in the U.S., it's really important that you research and just simply type in your state plus self-defense laws, and you should be able to find what you need to know for your state. Just Google search your state self-defense laws, and you'll probably find everything you need. In the U.S., we're going to talk about California. So California's self-defense laws require the following elements of the defense to be true. One, when you committed your crime, you reasonably believed that you were in imminent danger of being killed, seriously injured, or unlawfully touched. So basically, someone is coming at you with a knife. That's imminent. Someone's saying that someday they're going to get you and you decided to kill them before that day ever came. That is not imminent. So number two, reasonably believed that you needed to use force to prevent that from happening. So the force has to be appropriate to the threat. If someone punches you, you generally can't shoot them. But if someone is punching you and you're on the ground, they continue to punch you until your eyes are starting to darken and life is leaving your body, you pull out a gun to shoot them, you may be able to get away with that if you articulate it and fight for it. But generally, you want to use the amount of force that is proportional to the threat to stop. Number three, you used no more force than necessary to prevent that from happening. So you stopped the attack and did not go any further. If you hit somebody on the and they hit the ground and they're knocked out, you cannot go up to them and kick them in the head. You have to stop once the threat is stopped. In training, we do not teach you how to kill. Krav Maga isn't a kill system. It is a stopping system. We are stopping the attacker. Once the attack is stopped, you stop. There's no reason to keep going or else you are going to be in trouble. The threat, the person that's about to harm you, must show three things. Intent, means, and opportunity. So intent, you must first be able to explain how you knew the threat was intending to harm you. So for example, if a threat is running at you yelling, I'm going to kill you, and has a knife out, you can pretty much explain that you felt like your life was in danger and they had the intent to kill you. But there's also more subtle ways. Imagine if uh, you're walking 
down a, an alleyway and you see a group of friends, uh, guys hanging out, and all of a sudden they spread out and kind of surround you. Now, it's hard to say like, oh, what if they were just moving around? But you kind of had that feeling of they're surrounding you, they're going about to do something, they had no communication, they all just knew exactly what they're doing, like they've done it before, that shows some sort of intent, as long as you can articulate it that way. They need to have the means. So they must have means to harm you. For example, if the threat yells, I'm going to shoot you, but is wearing a bikini at the beach and they don't have a gun, they actually don't have the means to carry out their intent. So you don't have justification for self-defense yet. But if they had the means, so they say, I'm going to kill you, and then they make a clenched fist and they get ready to hit you, that is means. They are using their fist to hurt you and because they intend to do it. And then the last one is they have the opportunity. So the threat must be able to reach you with the means. So they have to be next to you, saying they're going to kill you, and they have their fist clenched, getting ready to hit you. If they're locked up in jail with a knife and they want to kill you, they don't have the opportunity because they're locked away. But they have the intent and the means, but they don't have the opportunity. So you have to have all three of these lined up. You can use the same force laws to defend other people as well. So these three elements could need to be used for self-defense of others. On another note, California is a stand-your-ground state. So under California law, there's no law saying that you must retreat, even if you have the opportunity to do so. And not all states are like this. So basically, for example, let's say you're in a bar and one of your friends gets a text saying that John is coming over with a knife and he wants to kill you. So there's no law saying that you have to leave because you can, you have the choice. You can just leave the bar and run away, hide, go somewhere else, or just absolutely avoid the situation. But there's no law saying you have to. So you can actually stay there, wait for him and fight accordingly. You don't have to run away. We can stand our ground. Same for the home. If we're in our house and someone's on their way to come hurt us, we don't have to leave our homes. We can actually stay in them and defend ourselves there. Um, so that is kind of a cool law for California. You must understand that if you hit someone on the head with a brick, you committed assault with a deadly weapon. There's no denying that. Your job now will be to prove that it was justified. So you hit them because something, the reason. You must prove that you had absolutely no choice. You have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. You aren't found guilty or innocent. You're found guilty or not guilty. It's a huge difference. So you have to prove that there is absolutely no reasonable doubt for you to do what you did. Then you will not be charged. So you have to make sure guilty beyond reasonable doubt or not guilty because there was some doubt achieved. In order to plead self-defense successfully, you must have an honest and a reasonable belief that you faced imminent harm and needed to use force to defend yourself. It doesn't matter whether the belief was correct or not as long as it was reasonable. In deciding whether or not your belief is reasonable, the jury is supposed to use what is called the objective standard. So this means that they're supposed to ask themselves whether a reasonable person in your shoes would think they were in danger, not whether you personally believed you were in danger, as long as it was reasonable to believe you were in danger. Now, that was criminal law. 
So just because you are found not guilty for harming somebody in a criminal case, that threat can still sue you in a civil case for damages. In a civil suit, the plaintiff will show tangible evidence that you were they were harmed. So if you bash somebody over the head with a rock, let's keep with that example, and you weren't in trouble because it was a self-defense case in a criminal case, but now this person didn't go to work for two months and now they're suing you for loss of wages and medical bills. So now you have to decide or convince the jury that you had absolutely no choice but to cause that damage to that person and that they their actions caused what happened to them. That way you also don't get charged with punitive damages. But if you don't, if you cannot prove that, then you will probably get charged. And that's kind of, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's just, we all know that's pretty crappy if that happens to us. Um, with all this said, I am not a lawyer and I do not study law. This is just very basic information I found in a book I've read and online um, government sites and through a couple of law enforcement agencies that I work with, but they are not set in stone and should not be taken verbatim. You need to do your own research in your own states and cities to make sure you know what your self-defense laws are. And you know what is a really good idea? Something to consider is to having a good attorney on retainer. It's always good to have someone to call, email, ask questions, or just have on speed dial if you do get in trouble or get in a situation where you did defend yourself, it, you need to have somebody you can call. So these are all things to consider. Let me know if you have any questions. I'll try my best to answer them, or I can have someone else answer them for you that specializes in this field. Um, but take care. Yeah.